So in the TV series, God Friended Me, Miles Finer receives a friend's request on Facebook from someone calling themselves God, from, from the God account. But it's more than just that relationship that, that forms. As the video clip showed you, because of his connection to the God account, Miles becomes connected to other people. He, he makes new friends, people who need his help, people whose help he needs as well, people with deep needs, people who have been wounded by life and wounded by others. And yet, all through the series, Miles' persistent question is, why me? Why did the God account choose me? And you and I could ask the same question of our faith. We could ask the same question in our conviction that before the foundation of time, God had chosen us. But but chosen for what? I mean, surely God just doesn't want friends, right? God's not lonely and and He needs you and I to be His friends. As, as the video goes on, you saw that we have been chosen to live a life that can impact other people. A life that draws others in, that cares for others, that strengthens them. And ultimately, a life that draws other people to Jesus. It's a purposeful friendship that we're to have. If anyone lived a life of purposeful friendship, it, it would have to be Jesus. And you see that through the stories, all the way through the Gospels. You see people that He that he touched, and, and people that he allowed to, to touch him, people he interacted with. There were leaders, there were movers, and, and there were shakers that Jesus interacted with. And then there were people on the edge of society, on the fringes, people who had been forgotten or ignored or rejected by others. And Jesus' mission was identified by those he chose to befriend. His mission was identified by those he chose to befriend, and that's a wonderful thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. And we see it, we see the danger in that in, in what they did to Jesus. We're looking at a, a fairly short little text today in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, just a few verses. Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 19. You'll find it on page 816 in those Bibles in front of you. This passage comes at the end of an exchange between Jesus. And some of the disciples, some of the students of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a, was a prophet. John the Baptist was a teacher. John the Baptist baptized people. John was also Jesus' friend. And he was also Jesus' cousin. <clears throat> At the time that this incident takes place, John is in prison. And things aren't looking good for John. I've mentioned before that in the first century, prisons weren't reformatory. You didn't do your time and then get out and try to lead a better life. Prison was the place that you were held until you were sentenced. And if the sentencing did not go your way, prison is the place you were held until you were executed. It's close to the end for John. And so he sends his students to Jesus with one question. Are you the one? Are you the, the chosen one? Are you the Christ? Have we placed our faith in you correctly? Or should we have been looking for someone else? Have, have we wasted our hope? Have we wasted our time on you? And Jesus confirms to them exactly what he was doing. If you look back in chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, <clears throat> it says, Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached. To them. 
Jesus was doing exactly what he was called to do. And yet, the question is, did his world accept him? Did, did this world accept John? Did, did John even accept Jesus? Did they understand what his friendship meant? And so we continue on, <coughs> picking up in verse 16. Jesus says, But what shall I compare this generation? To what shall I compare this generation? It is the children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, We played the flute! But you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For Jesus came, neither eat, or for John came, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man, that is Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. When we consider what it means for God to friend us, we really have to ask ourselves a question. Who have we friended? Who, who have we friended? Who is on our friends list and why are they there? Do our friendships reflect our commitment to Jesus? Do they reflect our, our commitment to His message, to His mission, to, to His heart? Do we live our lives in such a way that our friends would want to be friends of Jesus? And really, that's, that's a question of authenticity. And one thing that we learn is that our generation demands authenticity. Our generation demands an authentic faith. And it is essential that you notice who Jesus is addressing here, to whom he is, he is, or who He's speaking about. He's not talking about His disciples. He's not just talking about the faithful. He's not talking about John's disciples. He, he's not addressing the faithful or the heathen. He's talking about his generation, the people who occupied his world at his time. What were they like? How would you characterize them? How would you characterize their wants? What, what was it that drove them? How would you characterize their hearts? You know, if we're only concerned about the people who come inside these walls, if we're only concerned about each other, the, the ones on the inside, then we've missed the heart of Jesus. We've missed his heart. It, We've missed His call. His call is to impact the world around us. If we're just concerned about each other, if we're just concerned about being comfortable here, then we've hamstrung our future. If we're just concerned about knowing our own little crowd and I don't know those new people's names, I don't know who they are, what are they like? Jesus says this generation, the people that comprised His world, they were just concerned about playing the games. The message of Christ compels us, though, to reach out, to seek those on the outside, and to share the good news of Jesus with others at any cost. He says of his generation, he says there in verses 16 and 17, to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates, we played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. He compares them with children. Their parents have gone into the marketplace to, to buy food, to buy supplies. The children come along, they meet up together, and they play their games. Some of the kids are playing wedding. They're playing their little pretend flutes, but no one's dancing because it's not a real wedding. Some of the kids are playing funeral. <laughs> Those are the kids you got to watch out for. But they're playing funeral and they're singing dirges and yet no one is mourning because it's not a real funeral. 
Jesus compares His generation to children at play. Now, I will admit, I have two daughters. And for a long time, I attended a lot of pretend tea parties. I drank a lot of pretend tea. And I ate a lot of pretend crumpets and pretend cookies. I would put my flowery bonnet on. And I would introduce myself as Mrs. Nesbitt. We had to do that. That's, that's part of a job of a daddy to a little girl, John. you got to do that. And I would drink the pretend tea and I would say, oh, it's delicious and give me some more. And, and while it was a wonderful time and while I enjoyed playing, there was nothing ever nourishing about pretend tea or pretend cookies. It did not nurture my body, my life. Child's play is fun, but it's just play. Jesus is calling us to live an authentic life. And this generation, our generation, apparently they are a lot different from Jesus' generation. Because what we're told about this generation, these millennials, they can smell a fake. They can smell when it's just pretend. Forbes magazine wrote this a while back. It said of, said of the millennials, they are not interested in playing the game that their parents once did. For many boomers, that is their parents and their grandparents, the cost of playing the game was too high. Failed marriages, too much travel, too little work-life balance, not enough time at home with their kids. And the millennials suffered from that. This generation saw firsthand the failure of playing those kind of games. They felt it in ruined lives and, and ruined homes. And they're not interested in playing those games. And they are not interested in playing church. They want something real. And if they're going to find it, then we need to be real. We need to be real to them, whoever they are, wherever they are, wherever they might be, whether or not they're here, we need to be real to them. We need to be their friends. Because authentic friendship draws people. It draws people to authentic faith. Authentic friendships draw people to authentic faith. I think you learn a lot when you look at who Jesus befriended. At the friends that, that Jesus kept, you learn a lot. On one end, you have people like Nicodemus. You have people like Joseph of Arimathea. Wealthy people. People who were movers and shakers. People who were the upper echelon of society. And then you have friends like Peter and John. Small business owners. Fishermen. People who worked hard and they, they smelled like they, like they worked hard. And then you have friends. You have the rejected. You have the woman at the well caught in her sin and caught in her lies. You have the woman caught in adultery to whom Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Jesus, every line, every line that society put up and said, you cannot be friends with the people on this side of the line. Every time that happened, Jesus crossed that line. Every time they said, you can't be friends with that person, Jesus crossed that line and was friends with that person. I wonder how our friendships stack up. I wonder what lines we cross. Are we friends with people who are like us? Or are we friends with people who need us? If you look again at verses 18 and 19. For John, Jesus says, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said, Oh, he has a demon. And the Son of Man, that is Jesus, he came eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him! He's a glutton and a drunkard, 
He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And what you need to hear out of that is Jesus befriended the friendless. Jesus was friends with people nobody wanted to be friends with. Tax collectors. Okay, tax collectors. They were people who were in collusion with the Romans. They were Jews that the Romans were paying to extort taxes from their brothers and sisters. They, they not only took your money, but they made their money, they made power and influence off of your hard work. Tax collectors and sinners. And you and I need to hear that carefully. Because when it says that Jesus was friends of sinners, you think, well, of course, we're all sinners, right? I mean, that's, we just accept that. Everybody's a sinner. But hear that in their society. It might make you stretch a little bit. For Jesus to say He is a friend of tax collectors and sinners, He was a friend of people who were considered unclean. He was a friend of people that if you ate with that person, you would not be able to go to the temple that week. You're, you would not be accepted by God if you were friends with that person, if you ate with that person, if you associated with that person, and yet Jesus associated with those very people. I wonder, what kind of authenticity did Jesus bring to His friendships? And do we bring the same to our friendships? That video we watched earlier reminds us that God did choose us. And I love the confidence that comes from that. I love the peace that comes from that. But since God chose us, what kind of lives should we choose to live? And the, the video was a dramatic reading of Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, where Paul writes, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, since you are God's chosen ones, since you are holy, since you are beloved, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint, against another, you forgive that person. As the Lord forgave you, you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and you let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The call is to clothe ourselves in qualities that will attract other people. It's a call to clothe ourselves in qualities that will bless others. It's a call to live out an authentic faith that is on display for others. The kind of life that draws people in and ultimately the kind of life that draws them to Jesus. I feel like I need to challenge some of us. I feel like there's a challenge that we need to take and that is this. Make sure you have a few friends that make you a little uncomfortable. Make sure you have a few friends that not only make you uncomfortable, but probably make a few other friends uncomfortable as well. Make sure you have a few friends who aren't like you. People with different values. People who vote different than you. People who look different than you. People that, that, that value other things than, than you do. People with other beliefs. Maybe even people with no beliefs at all. Make sure you have some friends like that. People who have different lifestyles than, than you. Jesus, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenged His followers and He said, if you only greet your brothers, in other words, the people who look like you, talk like you, make money like you, and are exactly like you, if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Kind of rhymes, doesn't it? Make friends, with, make friends that might cause others to ask, why are you friends with them? Why are you friends with 
them, Jesus, because they need me. Because I need them. Because you see, if you're a Christian, it's not about being friends with people who are like you or people who make you feel comfortable or people who can do something for you. Rather, your friendship with Jesus is seen in your friendships with others. The way that you value that friendship with Jesus is seen in the way you value friendships with others. His final statement in this passage is likely a little confusing to us. It's worded strangely. It's it's hard for us to hear because it's not really part of our world. And yet that final statement is so important there in verse 19. Jesus says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Wisdom is justified by her deeds? I like how the Message Bible paraphrases it. The Message Bible tries to tries to put the words of the Bible in, in modern language and in modern terms and sometimes in, in modern slang. And the Message Bible paraphrases it with this very familiar phrase, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Right? The proof is in the pudding. The fact that you did it right, the fact that you made the pudding correctly is proven when you actually eat it. It tastes right. It, you know that all the parts came together correctly. And I think that is dead on for us understanding what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look at what my friendships are doing for other people. Look at the impact that I'm having on the lives of others. And again, we can go back to verses 4 and 5. Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by Me. Saw high school kids last Sunday night worshiping Jesus in that room. They may not be here today, but I saw them worshiping Jesus last Sunday night. It was beautiful. I see high school kids every Wednesday praying together, encouraging one another, and thanking these volunteers for what they do and the way they give their time and the way they give their energy and the way they give their money and and what they have to, to not only cook for them, but to get them here. Thanking Jeff Simons back there for driving a bus. The proof is in the pudding. Last week it was in the spaghetti, but you get my point, right? I see people walk in this church for no other reason than they can't afford a water bill this month. We help them without demanding that they come here week after week. We don't know where they are on Sunday morning. We don't know if they have to work. We don't know if they have to sleep something off. The proof is in the pudding. Or the water bill. The lives that we live the friendships that we have, the the way we care for others. Jesus says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who knows that I am doing something in the lives of other people, even if you can't see it yet, even if you can't hear it yet, even if you're in a prison, John, where you don't get to see and hear anything. Blessed is the one who knows that I'm having an effect in the lives of others. Blessed is the one who trusts that somewhere 20, 30 years down the line, some kid's going to remember there was a church that loved us. There was a church that welcomed us. There was a church where I learned to worship. Thank you, Steve. We don't do that here. (laughs) If we're going to be friends 
like Jesus is a friend, we just got to be people's friends. We got to stop thinking that our friends are going to pay us back someday. We got to stop thinking that, that, that they're going to that they're going to make things even with us someday. They're going to square things with us someday. Let the proof of our friendship with Jesus be in the way that we reach out to other people. And let's not forget, let's not forget, it's Jesus who called us to this friendship. This friendship was His idea. We didn't go looking for Him. He came looking for us. John 15, verses 15 and 16, Jesus said, I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from My Father, I have made known to you. You didn't choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Where are you going to bear that fruit? You're going to bear it in the lives of other people. You're going to bear it in the way that you care and befriend other people. It's Jesus who gets to make the call as to what this friendship is about. He gets to call the shots. He's the one who gets to fill our lives with love and and friendships, with, with purpose, with His purpose. He's the one who gets to use us to bear fruit in the lives of others. Is the wisdom of God justified by our deeds? Is the proof in, in our pudding? Is it in the ones that we share our pudding with? Are, are we sure? Are we sure we even have pudding? Or are we just pretending we have pudding in our, in our tea party? I don't know if tea and pudding goes together, but you get the idea. Is there anything nurturing? Is there anything welcoming? It, it's wonderful that Jesus calls us friends and, and we are blessed that God has friended us, but, but that friendship never ends with us. Friendship with God is a call to befriend others. God friended me. God friended you. I think that's one of the most important realizations you will ever have. God friended you. I like the way Paul says it because that's what Paul's saying. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where Paul writes, God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You say of the Son of Man, He's a friend of tax collectors and, and sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's important. I think it's great that it doesn't say, when I finally got my act together, Christ died for me. When I finally got my life straightened out, Christ died for me. When we finally got over our addictions, Christ died for us. When we were finally perfect, when we, when we really didn't need Him anymore, Christ died. No, it doesn't say that. While we were still sinners, while we were a mess, while we were rotten, while we were lost, while we were sinful, God friended us. But who are we friending? Who are we making friends with? Who are we willing to be identified with? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There is a world of people outside these walls that need to hear that. Now, I think it would be wonderful if they were here to hear it in my sermon, don't you? I mean, I think they would love it. They might even amen it, Steve. Probably not. But it would be wonderful if they heard it in my sermons, but the chances are they're not going to hear it in my sermons. I think it would be wonderful if they were able to just read that in their Bibles, which they probably don't have. Because we live in a world that doesn't give Bibles away anymore to kids like they used to, and we don't, we don't all have Bibles anymore. And if we have them, we don't read them. If they're going to learn that anywhere, they're going to learn it from you. They're going to see it in their friendships with you. They're going to see it in the way that you love them. 
the way that you accept them, the way that you show them what it means to forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, that you must forgive one another. God friended you. Make sure that someone who needs to know that is your friend. You have friends that need to know that. Make sure they see that in you. Father, it is beyond our imagination that you would want to be our friends. And yet, it's again and again in Scripture, we come to that truth that you have friended us, that before the foundation of time, you chose us, and that you chose us. We didn't choose you. Lord, we, we are humbled. We are amazed by your love and your grace. But we live in a world that doesn't even know you're there. They don't know you, but, but they know us. There are neighbors, there are co-workers, there are friends, there are family members. And so I pray that we live lives that long to introduce our friends to You. That through the way we love others, through our compassion, through the, through the patience and kindness that we have, through the character that we live with, let our lives demonstrate that there is a God who loves them and desires to be known by them, to desires to have them be known as His friend. We love You. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.